0: Welcome to episode 17 of Film Yarns. This week we saw Videodrome, 1983 Canadian science fiction body horror film, written and directed by David Cronenberg, starring James James Woods, Sonia Smits and Debbie Harry. Set in Toronto during the early 1980s, it follows the CEO of a small UHF TV station who stumbles upon a broadcast signal featuring violence and torture. The layers of deception and mind control conspiracy unfold as he uncovers the signal source. The signal source and loses touch with reality in a series of increasingly bizarre hallucinations. Fair summary. Um, yeah, I also good. noticed that this is Criterion Collection. They're always, you know, they mm. seem to always be good.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um I think the thing with this film is that it's it's important like it's not necessarily a blockbuster but i think what it's trying to do is interesting yeah I, and I, I think david cronenberg is like pretty established in terms of um his output as well you know like he pretty much successfully created the body horror genre on his own really
0: yeah well from the reading i've like the background reading i've done i don't think he was too successful at, at the, like this was a flop um
1: yeah you can tell lots of what, like, it's a bit too um,
0: art housey, ambitious to be a full like, crowd pleaser. Well, apparently the marketing was also really bad. Like they just put it out as a regular blockbuster and, you know, regular yeah. audiences were not keen on, you know, they just saw it and were like either revolting or just thought it was kind of stupid. Um, but mm. if they marketed it to the right type of people, I think it would have done a bit better. Because it's sort of, he, yeah, he seemed I... to like only retroactively gain a lot of artistic praise. Like a lot of his films prior to this weren't taken that seriously. And they're just like, oh, it's, you know, it's just David yeah. again um, doing his body horror thing. And, na- and horror, then he got a lot of as praise as from like John Carpenter and people like that. Mm-hmm. And um, Andy Warhol. Yeah,
1: you can, t- you can totally see John Carpenter and um, David Cronenberg coming together for sure. Like um, Especially with the thing, John Carpenter's the thing. Yeah, Not so much They Live, but definitely the thing. I can see that. Also, his son, um, Brandon Carpenter, is releasing movies. So, I don't know if you've ever seen Antiviral, that was pretty crazy. And he released a new movie that you've probably seen ads for called Possessor.
0: I don't think so. I don't
1: know. It just came out, and I've seen ads for it all over Facebook and stuff. And I think I'll probably go and see that. Um, But I think he's sort of continuing on his dad's work in terms of that sort of genre. Right. That's cool. I think. with Cronenberg Sr., I guess. Uh, the, uh, the film that I really think, I think Cronenberg is Crash. Have you ever seen that?
0: No. This might be the only film of his um, that I've seen.
1: Uh, okay. Um, I think it's based on a J.G. Ballard novel. I can't really remember. But um, essentially what happens is this woman gets in a car crash and through a series of events, turns out that she... like it, she has some sexual relation to it. Like, she she gets off on the crashes and she meets up with this group of people who stage crashes, who are all, like, um, have this cat crash kink. It's called, like, Simphophonius. It has a name. Like, it's a real thing. And, yeah, there's this underground crew that stage crashes and stuff just to, like, get off on it. It's pretty bizarre. But it's an interesting film.
0: I like that. That's cool. I mean, I saw... When I was reading about um, Videodrome, I saw a lot about that, how, you know, his whole thing is just to kind of put these you know like sexualize these really fierce scenarios in front of people mm-hmm. um where it involved you know it's when he combines sexuality and violence and it's it's a shock mm-hmm. but you there's a, something to that where you kind of have to think like oh, like you can see there is a, a sort of like strange inherent relationship between the two things that i oh, guess doesn't sure. get a lot uh, of thought because we you know we always want to really sanitize sex and sexuality yeah and he's just like well what about this you know um you know there's there's blood and there's just like it's it's very um jarring at first
1: yeah yeah i think um i think it, i think it's probably truer to form than like what uh what the like sort of mainstream media might produce in terms of um sexuality and how it can be broadcast and produced i think his version of like you know wounds and scars and all this sort of stuff that is gross but sort of is what sexuality is based on. You know, the sort of imperfections and the the, the problem areas and stuff, you know, like because the fantasy, obviously, is to have like the perfect person who is like blemishless, uh, uh, unblemished or whatever. But yeah. in reality, you know, the people that you love or that you desire, they have that weird thing. That is the, the pool, the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Without that, that would just be like, oh, you, you look really great, but there's
0: nothing to you. Like, it's like, yeah. Like, yeah. And, um, for ex- like an example of that, you know, with the whole slit in his stomach, um, with yeah, the it's gun. Straight it's... up vagina. Yeah, bite. exactly. <laughs> like they didn't just make yeah. it like a kind of puncture wound. It, you know, it, it has, you know, it's just, it's <laughs> portrayed very yeah, similarly. it
1: has, um, for sure. It has like the labia, like folds and stuff. And, like it's,
0: uh, and I guess, and he, he, yeah, you know, the, he... the, the, like the, the, um, the spaciousness <laughs> mm. yeah,
1: yeah compared exactly. to a wound
0: um, you know where there's not normally as much you know it's not so easy to just like stick a whole hand with a gun mm. in in a wound in my experience yeah, yeah
1: exactly <laughs> and it, it it seems to yeah yeah exactly. um <laughs> so like, yeah it, so it i can imagine own... <laughs> <laughs> yeah we try new things <laughs> uh, it seems to have its own desire as well right because he's you know, puts the videotape in there, pulls out a gun. Like, there is something going on there as well. Um, also, you know, it decides to sort of fuse his hand to the gun, so he has this sort of, like, massive fist that's screwed in. Yeah, that was that was quite a brutal scene, but I think we're jumping too far ahead. Um, oh, that's so okay. That's how we do yeah. yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think probably... There's, I had sort of three different ideas, or three different directions when I first watch this film because I had seen it before but I didn't really I didn't watch it like I watched it this time which is and i we can pick up whichever direction you'd like to you, know, you think is more interesting but the first one I was thinking is like um there's this media theorist called Baudrillard and he sort of has this idea about what he calls like the degree Xerox of violence which is like um like Xerox like copying something like once it becomes a represent, representation on TV or um the screen in general, it sort of becomes drained of um, violence. There's nothing to it. Um, Like, you become desensitized. Okay. And I was thinking about... As
0: as in in you see... As in violence can... Violence portrayed on the screen can make you overly normalized to it and then you become sort of more tolerant of violence in reality? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or, Or even like your relationship to violence on TV, like, um, the videodrome is like, cause when they're watching it, they're just like, wow, that, that's really great. How'd they get it to look so real? You know, like that woman really looks like she's being beaten or that guy looks like he's really getting electrocuted or whatever. Um, and so there is that sort of like. So um, they express a, real... a
0: value to how real it is.
1: Yeah. But that value yeah, is only it, it limited
0: could... by the knowledge that it's not real or that, you know, the belief that it's mm. not real. So as soon as it, it is real, that's when they kind of approached the question, is this, is this good? Or is this something yeah. I want to be watching?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and the second thing I was thinking, I can't remember, this woman wrote a really interesting book, but I can't remember what the title was or her name, which is a <laughs> total shame. Which is, it's, 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 it's okay. Terrible me, it's the I idea that counts. Um, yeah, it was, well, it's just like some of these other theorists, you know, they have tons and tons of work and they're pretty big names, but this woman, she wrote this one really good, but I just can't remember what it was. And... Um, she was talking about there was a murder um, in New York, somewhere in New York, and it was particularly brutal or something, and like all these news crews videoed it tons and tons of times and kept playing it for like a week, so there was tons of replay footage of this woman's dead body, the drama like what might have happened beforehand and stuff, and so she was sort of saying that it becomes like almost um, like a voyeuristic pornographic experience, like... Um, watching violence on TV is what you want. You know, it's it's seductive. You want to see it. You want to see this real. Um, you want to see torture. You know, it's it's sort of it's real. Like even if it's not real, it's real to you. Um, and then I guess the third thing. Uh, this woman named Hilary Neroni wrote this interesting book on torture um, in, in media representations, and based on. Um, you know, there's pictures that came out of um, the American soldiers that were torturing um, Al Qaeda captives and stuff like that in the War on Terror. Remember, there was like a woman who was like giving the thumbs up in front of like a pile of like um, naked men with bags over their heads and stuff like that. I don't think I saw
0: anything no. on it, but
1: yeah, well, it was a massive thing, and that was sort of what blew up the whole like War on Bush's like, War on Terror, which was like, is this acceptable? Can we do this? And they changed a the little laws around torture, saying like well, you know, under the Freedom Act or under the terrorist acts, like, you're not even people, we can just torture you. And people kind of accepted that. But when they saw these pictures, they saw that, well, the soldiers that were doing this to their captives were smiling, giving themselves cigarettes, you know, they were getting off on it. And so it changed it from, like, torture as a means of, like, I don't know, securing the nation or, like, the truth of war, whatever that might be, to something that was just like, well, this is, they're, they're like this. There is some sexual element, there is... An enjoyable element to it and uh, there's sort of three different strains that cross over this movie that's an,
0: yeah that's an interesting other side of cut so like you've got the debate over you know for example violent video games do they make people violent or do they help people get rid of violent urges that would be you know mm. bad things to be walking around in the real world with and then the other side of it is like um you know war happens in the world of course and you know People in guns in choppers occasionally shoot civilians, but you know the same act, if if they demonstrate enjoyment of the act, is condemned so much more than if they're like, oh, "Oh, it's my job, I have to do it to protect the nation. Like even though the exact same act occurs, I mean Mm. it's fair enough that you know we do condemn the enjoyment view even though the act is the same because the enjoyment view sort of implies like well, what else is this guy doing in his leisure time you know if this is something he enjoys but at the same time yeah, yeah, right? the act itself is the same um
1: for sure but it totally changes your perspective of why it's being done though isn't it right like exactly yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Same, yeah so like, I think like, it's
0: a fair yeah. it's a fair argument to say mm. no he shouldn't be enjoying it you know he might you know devil's Ag- advocate might say like well oh, is the military man not allowed to enjoy his job just like you enjoy your office job <laughs> and it's like well no <laughs> yeah. like, he's not he, he's not he doesn't yeah. get paid to enjoy it like that part of it anyway um mm. it shouldn't it, you know it should be something you've really begrudgingly do and probably even mm. question I mean, but those guys are never going to question the authority, really. It's almost, I guess, like they would bring them up in a way that they don't even contemplate questioning, you know, yeah, the, I think, the reasoning um, I for think a lot of people... war. They just, they, they're brought up with the kind of view that, okay, whoever's above me knows what's best for me and the country's people. So, I'll just follow every order to a T.
1: Yeah, yeah. You often see, like, people going into the army like that and coming out saying, like the people who run this have no fucking idea. We did terrible things, That's but true. I would never do it again. You know what I mean? But um, when
0: they are soldiers, I, like, you know, the best soldier yeah. is the one that doesn't think critically. That
1: follows. Yeah, well, follows commands directly, you know. Yeah. Um So, but, um, I mean, and I get, like, I would understand, you know, an argument that said something like, um enjoying the act of killing as a soldier is like sort of the final defense like between you and being like i'm killing people you know like if i can distance myself a little bit by the final psychological guard yeah
0: yeah pardon the final psychological um, guard from you know ptsd perhaps yeah yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly or it could be like a, a symptom of ptsd like i have to i can't like my my, I can't deal with this. Like, I'm just gonna do this thing. We we'll like, call I'm it pre-TSD. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, um, and you know, like it's no shock that like the army uses like Call of Duty games and stuff like that to try and get kids into it or whatever. Like, but do they? I, I'd like. Is. Do they
0: have anything to do with that?
1: I think they do, not Call of Duty in general, but I think they have some games. I don't think they work very well. Kid, you know, kids
0: are going to play Call of Duty games whether the army is paying them to or yeah. not. Like, like Call of Duty, you know, <laughs> who am I to condemn someone playing, for playing Call of Duty? <laughs> <laughs> I don't condemn
1: anyone for playing Call of Duty. Like, I have no desire to condemn anybody. Like, have fun, enjoy yourself or whatever. But, like, do you think that the war games would be fun if, like, there wasn't sort of, like, the the... The war of like, oh, I'm the right. I'm I'm doing the right thing. I'm do, fighting for like the right thing.
0: Do I think they would be like, fun? Would they be
1: war, Would, would there even be war games? Like, well, do, you, do you have to be put in a position
0: where? To you, me, um... it, to me, it's like um, the war game simply provides context um, for playing a game where you shoot at targets, just like if you're playing golf, mm. like, and the golf course sets the context for like hitting the ball into the right place that's for me like i I don't i I mean because they don't put it like maybe they're going back to a campaign in call of duty but in the last couple where there's no campaign it's basically you know you're playing a game of like a sports game where you're you're hitting the targets and it's not you know there's a little bit of ego involved in the same way as in basketball where you want to shoot more goals than the other guy and win you know you want to hit more bullets than the other guy and win it's not so much like i killed you man you know
1: yeah, I think uh, you could say the same for World of Warcraft, League of Legends. That's still killing people. They're like, just, just using magic and shit. Like,
0: <laughs> you, yeah, I guess it would be a good thing to kind of establish like what each of our views are on that that kind of age old video game, you know, violent media debate. Uh, what uh, you, like what, I, I do you, what would so. you say in a roundabout think...
1: way? I don't think. I don't think that. I don't think it, there's an inherent relationship or, like, a causal relationship to that. I don't think someone who plays violent video games is predisposed like, I don't think that a brainwashing occurs. Like, I don't think that that's how it works.
0: Yeah, it's just a media thing where they'll they'll go, oh, look, you know, the Columbine kids played heaps of Doom. It's like, so did everyone. You know, it's it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, correlation. does. Yeah, it.
1: which, and, and, you know, like, that's also a really nifty way to say, like, uh, um, we don't want to put regulations on guns. Like, why the fuck can teenagers get guns? Like, we don't play it, blame, it, blame it on the video games. Oh, <laughs> like, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like,
0: yeah exactly. Right.
1: Like, uh, oh, you know, what what happened? Like, you could also ask the question of, like, what's happening in high schools where this sort of stuff happens? Like, what drives
0: um, exactly, yeah. people to do that? Like, blaming the video games in those scenarios is, I don't know, it almost you, it borders on, like, NRA conspiracy as in, you know, the NRA will drum up the media storm like, Yeah, it's not the guns, it's the video games that caused all the yeah. deaths. Like not the, yeah. you know, if not the mental we need more health. guns to protect from those guns. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: they they love that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, true. Like, um we need more guns yeah. to shoot the video games or some some stupid shit yeah. like that.
1: But look, it, it's happened with books. It's happened with paintings. It'll happen it happens with movies. Um, true. You know like uh, there was the Joker dude who killed like fifteen people or something in that cinema
0: and like injured like uh, twenty more. Because the whole Incel thing is that to do with the most recent yeah. Joker?
1: Oh no no no! The uh, Dark Knight Rises, I think it was. It wasn't. It, had, it wasn't. Like, the, orange hair. It wasn't the more recent Joker one. Wasn't that nah, one? it was like the one that was like ten years ago. Okay. He sh- he shot up at a cinema and I like, had like smoke grenades and stuff. It was pretty crazy.
0: And were they playing that, on the I whole like Incel sort of? Thing like it is Yeah, and just
1: of... like, you know, the Joker is this character that speaks to people in this situation and yeah. produces violent outcomes, which, you know, like, they're probably, you could probably say something about that, but, like, I don't think, I think that you would find that relationship anywhere, you know, like, there's tons of movies that, like, privilege war, and no one says, like, oh, they're the ones that are producing these people, you know, it's, it's a known fact that the Pentagon... Um, funds films that make the Pentagon look good. Like, they make, they produce war films. Yeah. Um, so, and no one ever talks about that. So, I mean, there are people, but, like, speaking sort of, like, broadly, mass media sort of stuff, that isn't really concerned. They're more interested in, like, moral panics. Yeah. Um,
0: but anyway. Um, well, like, bending this conversation into video drone, what do you mm-hmm. think, um, I mean, if you could say that, um Cronenberg's main message with it is that is that you know TV is able to shape people's actions and blur the line between reality and and television or or virtual things you know in the way that mm. the film really directly portrays
1: uh
0: mm. do do you think there's validity to that? Uh I mean yeah, I guess not so much that TV will give you hallucinations but just that if you watch enough of it or, you know, maybe in today rather than the 80s now you could say like virtual reality games. Mm. If you played enough, you would kind of start to lose track of when you're in the virtual world and when you're in the real world. Because like when you enter the virtual world, there's sort of that premise of having infinite lives and you mm. can always just restart unlike the real yeah. world where we live in the real world with a premise that there's probably no restart or anything. Mm. So there is the, yeah. you know, yeah. you're playing in expert mode for your whole yeah. real life. Um,
1: um, I guess in terms of VR, I, I don't think that is the case. No, like I've played a bit, I've been playing a bit of VR recently and I don't think it's not anywhere near good enough to but, Okay, like but
0: who- yeah, but we, we could say hypothetically, like if it, you know, it probably will get, yeah. Good enough so yeah, that, I, I mean, you like, okay, on a conscious level, you're always going to know mm. pretty much, you know, mm. I'm in reality or I'm in virtual reality. But I feel like there could be, a, you know, a diminishing of the senses, like, you know, uh, physiologically as well, if, if we did it for enough generations where your senses wouldn't actually be able to perceive the difference anymore. If you, if you, if you yeah, had we'll your have- sight and your hearing dumbed down, by, you know, generations of everyone spending mm. more time in VR than not.
1: Mm. Maybe
0: in that case, and, you know, obviously with the increase in sound fidelity and visual fidelity and the decrease in your sensory perception as they level out, mm. maybe they, the two things, you know, the only difference would be the memory of did I put on the, the yeah. helmet or the goggles.
1: Oh, uh, look, it's entirely possible. Like, I think I think you're right. I think if technology did get that good, and um, people were able to acquire it, like say it was readily available. I'm sure that could be the case, for sure. Like, I wouldn't rule it out. But um, I think a lot of that stuff, like even in Videodrome, the problem I think is that his relationship to um, himself is a problem, right? Like, his relationship to his, like, personality, his like, media representation is like, he's sort of a bad boy, um, he 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 believes in sort of a libertarian media where um, what gets produced can be shown, um, and should be shown, like people should be allowed to watch, you know, 500 different channels, whether they be kid shows or snuff films, um, and so he has to undergo these these experiences where he, like, because he meets Debbie Harry's character, and she's like, no, 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 no. Um, this is garbage. This is smart. We can't watch this. It's, you're kind of ruining American TV. And then they they go out, and she's like, "Yeah, could you burn me and like cut me and that?" And so he sort of has to deal with that, right? Like, because the reality um, is so so much more raw and real than his sort of shtick, which is, I uh, just watch. Like, I just put anything on the TV." But he was he seemed like he was quite shocked when he like burnt her with a cigarette and like cut her with a knife and that.
0: Yeah.
1: So. For him, I think. Yeah, but he
0: transitions like, yeah. because, like he's shocked. But then, as soon as it turns sexual, he's fine with like the ear piercing and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, he's he almost, does get into it. Yeah, he act, He's supposed to act shocked because that's the social norm. But once it once it flips into a sexual scene, then it the more the better in a way.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, for her, like I think for Debbie for Debbie Harry's character. um the way that she enjoys her um, uh, sadism, I guess, is um, through telling people that it's terrible. You shouldn't do it. I don't do it. And then, like, given the propensity in like her house, you know, behind closed doors or whatever, it becomes that much more enjoyable, you know,
0: because it's forbidden.
1: Yeah, well, because she like erects a prohibition against it. Yeah, she says I don't like it, and then she does it. You know, so it's that much more taboo. Yeah. Whereas, um, something like Videodrome, if everyone's watching it, everyone's getting into it. The the problem then becomes like, well, how do we, how do we get enjoyment out of this? How is this not just like a rote machine? Drive where like everyone just kind of hurts each other and has sex and it doesn't mean anything or it doesn't have any relationship to anything. Thus, like uh, the new flesh, right? Like, like, what is what what is the new flesh if not like a mixture of like
0: uh, machine and person? It's very confusing, isn't it? It's a confusing film, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but because uh, I I got a, I pulled up a couple of really good essays. Um, yeah. You, what were they saying? They said a lot of things, but. Um... <laughs> I mean, I guess we could talk about just, you know, um, friends of ours that are into snuff sort of stuff. And I, I don't know. Who, about you, who,
1: do, who do we know? Caden. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um, fuck. I forgot about
0: that. I <laughs> leave the name. <laughs> Cause it's always interested yeah, uh, me that like, I, you know, I'm not into it, but maybe, you know, maybe it's just, maybe everyone's into it and it's just a kind of like a, a psychological barrier, um.
1: Yeah, You know, uh, he, he'll, he I, won't,
0: he'll actively, I don't know if he'll actively seek out, but he, you know, he's happy, he's keen to watch like certain mm. things on Reddit where it's just, you know, ISIS videos and things like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I, well, and I wonder if that...
0: Like what does uh, that stem from? Does it stem from wanting to fortify your mind so like you're just prepared to see anything? Does it, does it stem from a fear of real life violence so you want to really just prepare your mind by just exposing it to the most intense grotesque sort of acts or is it the opposite and uh or is it just a pleasure thing i guess and I not think, and I not think, a fear I think thing
1: it could be a pleasure thing like it's, it's it's like an excessive thing right like it's this thing that you you don't like you know you're not supposed to like it and you know so it just be like person, a curiosity.
0: Could- like i just mean talking about really base emotions like yeah. just curiosity, like. Oh, that's something so novel. Well, you know? I
1: think I think it's uh, I think it's an excessive enjoyment. Like he not only can he say like, oh yeah, I like this, which whether or not that's the truth, who knows? But he can show other people and watch their reactions and be like, oh yeah, what did you? Like, I think I think a lot of it has to do with other people.
0: Do you think? Because I like, I yeah. mean I he hasn't shown me that much. Like I I didn't I didn't get a like a showing off sort of vibe.
1: Yeah, I guess if it's on the internet, then other people are watching it. I think maybe he's part of the community. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, he he is a big fan of serial killers. So is um, his partner. You know, so there 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 is like a. I just think, um, but
0: I think that comes down to curiosity more than like a kind of like a macho like. My my brain can handle this. Can yours?
1: No, I I don't know if it's it has to do with um. You know, March or well, masculinity, I think it just has something to do with, like, pleasure or, like, enjoyment, like, he does enjoy, uh, being connected to this excessive thing, like, this, this thing that's a bit over the top, and people are like, well wow, you, you like that? It's like, well, yeah, you know, like, it's because I think, and <clears throat> this has to do with his interest in metal as well, because metals are very, like, over the top genre, um, I think that sort of pageantry, like, I, I the the unreal the unreality of it is the interesting thing because I don't think that maybe, you know, like, he, I don't think he'd ever want to watch someone die. like I, I can't imagine he would ever want that, but like, I think behind a screen, it's just the same as watching a horror movie.
0: You know what That's I mean? So, yeah, it's such a... I don't know, it's such a tricky one because, you know, he or people who are into that, they love to watch you know, things equivalent of drone where it's like, you know, person dying, it reality mm. person dying kind of thing, but obviously mm. f- via a screen somewhere else in the world. It's where do you yeah. draw the line? It's like person dying, you know, in the same city. And it's like, or your neighbor dying on your video camera, you know, or, and then finally mm. like your neighbor dying, you watching it for real, no screen, you know, like where <laughs> we need to interview someone mm. and ask them like, where does the line of enjoyment end, mm. or is it? You know, yeah, do, do you well, want to directly see someone die?
1: Yeah, because you could sort of ask the same for someone who's like a big fan of, um, like the Saw series or Hostel or something like that. Like those TV, those uh, movies where it, the whole thing is just torture. Yeah, because maybe, maybe, maybe it's a moral thing. You know, a lot of those films seem to be like, well, you know. I saw you cheating on your wife, and now you have to cut off your arm to get through here. And you know you've done the requisite sacrifice, and now you're better again. Like those films seem to be like that at least.
0: It could even just be a yeah. like a Slavoyism, like nostalgia for the present. Like be grateful that your life doesn't involve this terrible the terrible acts in this film. You know, so people watch That's the true. film to just be like get to the end and be like, ah, oh, like you know, I've seen I've seen a terrible thing. I'll be more grateful for what I have kind of, I don't know. That's just another potential. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think the thing with that, 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 um, that quote is more to do with like feeling like trying to capture your present life rather than having to be stuck, you know, the worrying about the future or like nostalgia for the past or whatever. But, but
0: he, um, he refers to Handmaid's Tale normally when he makes that reference. Right. So yeah, as, as in yeah. his, his example is Handmaid's Tale to say, um, because the show is saying like, well, look how bad dystopia mm. could be, and and he's condemning that because it's he's saying it's a distraction from present problems, right?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I mean, like, you could even say something like Margaret Atwood, the author of The Handmaid's Tale, is in the series as one of the um, the mothers or whatever, one of the um, one of the women who like you know abuses the. The I don't know what the women are called, but the like off red and uh, I don't know what they're called. I don't know. Uh, like, yeah. She's in there, so I uh, uh, So I think you know, for Margaret Atwood as well, there is a little bit of enjoyment in like, yeah, you know, how terrible would it be if the ultra right conservatives won? You know, I, I, I don't think that's ever going to happen, but you know, I, could, I could be wrong. <laughs> um, but for people. I mean, like, what would you think if those snuff films and stuff were on a TV channel? Say, like, you know, Channel Fifty Three at like, like ten video o'clock drone. at night. Yeah.
0: What would I think?
1: Yeah, like, because I guess the other the other question here is like, should TV be able to show anything, or like, should there be limitations, and what are the limitations? Who is, like, what is it that the limitations?
0: Yeah, exactly. Are yeah, for? because I mean. And also there's a big distinction, say, you know, are the films purely violent or are they sexual as well? And I think it kind of changes the debate about, you know, video games creating violent people like it it Mm. when you when you bring it into sexuality or like pedophilia and things like that, it's sort of a different debate.
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, like I'd say a lot of violence is sexual, you know, You know, rapists want power, uh, and that's sexual uh, acts of passion, like um, like hot-blooded murder. You know, someone in your bed with your wife or husband or partner or whatever, and you kill them. Um, there's all there's a lot of charge, a lot of sexual charge to acts like that. You know, assault and stuff like that. But um,
0: <laughs> yeah. I just no, I'm I'm musing on. It's like look how Look how this just talking about drone, the film has normalized us to talking about <laughs> extreme violence in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
1: Well, it's it's true because it's always there. It's happening all around us. Um, but should it be shown on television? No. <laughs> no, used to be my, my answer. I don't think because um, then I think like the, the, the true... Um, Tragedy of it all would be um, too sterilized or too um, yeah, desensitizing. Then,
0: yeah, but then again, it's hard to draw a line because okay, obviously you can have Hollywood films with violence, but then you can have, mm. say, uh, a a, a live-action film or a film that is pre- you know where they pretend it's real more so than mm. a ho- like a Hollywood film. The way that it's produced, you know, you instantly know. Oh, I'm watching a fake you know, non-reality film, mm. whereas you can portray it in a way, you know, such as the show video dr- drone inside the movie is mm. made to look like what are we... We're watching actors, you know, from our outside p- perspective. Yeah. It's not real, but yeah. from Max's perspective, yeah. well, at first it's not real, but then he finds out it is real. Um, yeah. Where do you draw the line in ter- you know, obviously like, you don't want a channel that shows ISIS videos, but what about a channel mm. that is reenactments of ISIS videos? You probably mm. don't want that either, but you know, you no, can see how no. it's more of a spectrum than a, like, it's quite a gray area as oh, to yeah. where you it's, would draw the a line of thing. like what you should, you know, we're fine with violent video games. You know, we, mm. we can, you know, there's numerous reasons why we think that's fine, but say violent video games, well, like we don't want video games with rape in them. Obviously. Mm. Um, or like, you know, porn websites don't allow videos containing anything to do with rape. But then, you know, like recently, hentai and the gray areas that that has, it's, there is no real definitive place to draw the line, I guess.
1: Yeah, I guess, um, yeah, I don't know, right? Because there's a lot of that sort of like, um what do they call it, consensual non-consent, which is like rape fantasies and stuff. In regular life people do that sort of stuff all the time. Um, in terms of porn, like the, the, the line between uh, the line for incest is getting smaller and smaller all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, like saw, yeah, I saw you. yeah. Really t- close, closer <laughs> and closer. Um, and no one seems to address that, like the the, the sort of like it, um, It's funny how linked, linked that of,
0: is to the whole fighter pilot thing. where It's like it's like you. It's okay to act like you're enjoying, you know, incest because it's not quite incest. Incest. It's it's a depiction of it, and it's okay to have an actor in a film enjoying shooting people because it's an actor in a film mm. enjoying shooting people. But in the real, real life, we don't want that, and we don't want you know, real. Well, incest. we could want that. Like, and I, yeah, I'm just saying. Like, it's possible. just like it's so funny how. If it's, if it's just a depiction or an acted version of the thing until we, like, consider it real in inverted mm. commas, like, that's when the line is crossed with a lot of these yeah, things. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. It's like, um, you know, people kind of got behind war up until it was televised with the Vietnam War and they were just like, it's just fucked up. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible. Um, and so what's representations of things that are, like, claimed to be real? Um, or as close to real as possible that starts to shock people you know um if it's not doctored in a way say like the gulf war was sort of produced almost like a hollywood film and so that was a bit different people could be swayed a little bit but uh um, so you can Vietnam so was a little bit more
0: like yeah cronenberg's whole you know if it is a warning it's very valid in that you know, he's warning of the blurring of the line between what's real and what's not real, and technologically, that's you know we've sp- spoken about it numerous times on the podcast. Like that, we are heading, we are trying to blur that line technologically, or mm. well, not not mm. consciously trying to, but it's just sort of what happens because of you know the way we network technologies and like communication and you know COVID, like everything is a lot more virtualized. Obviously, in yeah, twenty twenty. Yeah pretty much everyone still knows the difference but we definitely are converging on the two from being like fully distinct and yeah, and that's fair yeah, warning think- about that because like basically what we're talking about is like once the line gets blurred that's when it you know everything is just it you know it's like do we have no violence at all because we're not sure if it's It's real or not, or should we just have no violence at all now, because um in a way, virtual violence is real violence? Yeah, um, yeah, I,
1: I, I mean like um, a good example of that is um people in I don't know the desert of Nevada using Xboxes to you know shoot um people with drones oh really right drone yeah, yeah. Bombing. that's yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> that's you know, yeah so that's a good example so that's, that's sort of a good little pop example i guess in terms of like ah, oh, there you it's, go it's but like maybe but, if we um,
0: um reduce the pixel density of their screens enough then it's fine but if it's too high d de- if it's too like hd um then it's murder
1: <laughs> yeah well i guess um Well apparently there's like a really high instance of depression and stuff in people who do that sort of thing and for America a lot of people who um, don't have the means, you know, don't come from like wealthy families or whatever, military enlistment is like the means of securing um, paid work, you know, a chance to get get, um, scholarships to university and education. Uh, you know, it might be a family respect or even kind of national respect sort of thing as well. so yeah, I could absolutely
0: um, see myself making that choice if um hmm. yeah, if I didn't have like another I- option.
1: Military enlisters usually target, you know, young men coming out of high school that might not necessarily... Man, they, have a they tried to
0: sell it to me in high school. Um, I did really badly with my grades in year 10 and we had like a careers advisor and stuff and I was always like pretty smart at school, but I just had a, you know, I just started messing around, started drinking. Oh, year yeah, 10 yeah. And For they were sure, like, and they had fun. all these <laughs> brochures and shit, man, and you're pretty influenceable at 15. Yeah, they're like, yeah. you'd be a really good like soldier. like, And they, you know, they make it look awesome. And like, I was, yeah. I was like, hmm, I you know consider i considered it a couple of times like after just like clashing with the education system i also considered it when i started uni i was like i hate this and then i had mates go to the army and they were making good money straight away and you know like you get all your bills paid and i was like you can see the appeal for sure
1: oh yeah and getting getting people while they're young right. It's it's not all. Like, none of it's on accident. Like to assume that like people just kind of fall into the military complex is to assume that the military don't actively do this sort of stuff. You know, the campaign in Australia right now is like, oh, you know, it'll take you lots of places. You meet lots of cool people.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, imagine like imagine your job today. is going their, on vacation. Their, their marketing is mm. really good.
1: <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Or you know, it's, it's yeah. So. It's, uh, morally bankrupt like you know it's it's good it's skillful
0: it's well done you know it's it's effective I don't like
1: it Um, no I'm sure some corporal up there getting millions of dollars for it does though um (laughs) or whatever the top rank is I have no fucking idea um (laughs) another another thing I was sort of considering um so you know Deleuze and Guattari, the people who did like capitalism and schizophrenia and stuff like that yeah um they sort of advocated this idea of uh, what they call the machinic unconscious, which is like, we should move forward acting more like machines. We should be able to, um, you know, we should consider the unconscious as something that could be more machinic, you know, more computerized. We want to become these things. But you see in a film like um, Videodrome, the problem with it is that it's not, it, it doesn't, you don't become this like, super producer with, like, all this information and all this stuff, you become this, like, thing that's incapable of being, like, is this me, is this not me, um, is this my body, is this like, not my body? You become Am less
0: autonomous and, and more sort of subject to the will yeah. of the, the well, you're extensions of right? yourself. Like,
1: yeah. I think I because think I think the thing that they were forgetting is that, like, people own technology. Like, there are companies and corporations that decide, right? Like, so, you're... you're directed. You know, like you're not you're not on Facebook or Google or whatever and thinking like I run this. No. Like whatever you're doing on those things, chances are they're sort of directing you. right? So it's it's fascinating. I think Kronenberg was right with that. Like I think it was I think it's wrong on the part of Deleuze and Quattari to um to emphasize that. I think that was personally I think that was a bit of a Bad move. It sounds cool though. So they're talking um, about
0: like augmenting the human body with technology a- as being yeah a thing.
1: Well, metaphorically sort of considering the body as something that can be technologized. You know, so like you have your phone and you have all these things like link so and stuff mu- like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you have all these things that um just optimise yourself, right? Like even the internet, which like like we we're talking yeah. about Marshall McLuhan at the very start of this. He sort of considered the internet as like the extension of the human organs across the earth, you know, like, um, now you can see from here to Zambia and you can like, yeah, I fully um, agree with that. To- yeah. Mm.
0: And well, Which is true, if actually, I can get yeah. the quote from, um, ah, uh, what's his name? Oblivion, Dr. Oblivion. Yeah. He has the the main quote that he makes on the TV show, um, pretty much summarizes that really well, where he he basically says the thing about, um, how like tv is an extension of the body and then it blows a line between reality and so in effect tv is reality Hmm. Um... which i think
1: is i think is a little a little a little untrue like i think it's 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 cool it sounds cool but i think it's i don't think i'm fully into it like um you know, it, it sort of assumes that people are brainwashed by TV, but, like, that totally denies people's... They want it, you know? like, like It's like someone saying, you know, maybe, like, someone... Some, I don't know, fucking, like, white-collar, like, million-dollar lib in america saying like oh the problem with trump supporters is that they're like brainwashed by fox news or whatever it's like well, no they turn that tv on they look for that channel you know they are people they're not stupid like they're not stupid and they're not like just caught in this um brain ray thing that just pulls them in like they made this decision same with everybody so like i think, I think
0: yeah the problem that's, with that sort of that's the whole yeah the whole left right divide is like they both think oh, if only they could see all of the facts, then they would agree mm. with me. And it's it's that's not actually the case. They believe yeah. what they believe.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's often like something like, oh, the other side is dumb. Yeah, exactly. So, oh. Yeah. If, yeah. Like,
0: the the other, other side is ignorant. If only they yeah. knew the facts that I know, then they would see the light.
1: Yeah. Which kind of ruins that sort of media theory of just being like TV forces you to feel certain sorts of ways, but I would argue that TV shows you how to desire things. Like it, it directs your desire sometimes. So like advertising, like we we're talking about advertising a while ago, that's a good example of TV well, being able to direct your desire. To say it more correctly
0: you. is like, you know, ideology directs your desires and TV mm. is sort of a um, enforcer or a server of ideology. Um, it'll either serve it up or, it, it will enforce a pre-established ideology, reinforce, basically. Mm. So I guess the TV, it doesn't often create it, but it will support, you know, the status yeah. quo yeah. or whatever it wants to support. It's it's a tool for doing so. Yeah. I and think, quite an um, effective one.
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's necessary though, right? It, like, establishes a support for a cohesive world, you know, like, you think... You, you walk out your door and you go to this place and that place and you think these thoughts and you know how to do everything and that's because ideology like, that's because you're all part of this ideological sphere right like
0: it, the film says make sense it, of that it says that in Videodrome it's like uh, we're repatching them into society's mixing board like the homeless yeah, people yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. exactly it. yeah
1: yeah that's wild hey the the glasses is interesting because we had the glasses in they live as well.
0: Yeah, (laughs) and it's the front for the arms company. And they uh, what are they called? They're called uh, Spectacular Optical.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that's interesting. I think that if we sort of pull that thread a little bit more, I think that would be interesting, right? Like, so what does an arms company want with being able to, like, direct people? Like, what is is that about? Because obviously it turns... um, Yeah, that's a lot more
0: symbolic than I gave it credit for at the time when I was watching it because it's like, you know the arms company they want to direct people's vision of what they see or what Mm -hmm. how they see you know it's like Mm -hmm. the opposite of they live you want people need spectacular glasses so that they can see whatever the message from the tv is (laughs) so they can be brainwashed more effectively
1: yeah yeah exactly um i'm thinking about another scene that i loved which was um the lips on the screen.
0: Oh, near the end, um, uh, Nikki's lips a, yeah. when she's saying yes. like "come to me" and stuff.
1: I loved. I thought that was amazing. Like, I love that the um, the TV, the exterior of the TV was sort of like breathing. Like it had like that sort of like. Um, <laughs> Like sex breath, I don't know what to call, it. like moaning almost. <laughs> yeah. So it was like deep breaths. It was like very. Man, I had like, to put the um, headphones
0: on halfway through. I was like, no, this is yeah. this is just gonna be too incriminating.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was. You know, they were moaning. It was moaning sounds, um, and it was just this massive pair of big red, uh, big bright red lips on the screen. I I, I thought, yeah, I thought that was a really good image of some of the like better advertising, just like totally uh mobilizing desire totally just like come like you want you want this this is going to make you feel good um you've been looking for something that'll make you feel good come do it like, come to me
0: well yeah cronenberg he he's really into that sort of psychedelic portrayal of objects and he he loves like so i was reading this essay um it's on the criterion website and um oh, nice. it talks about um basically the author saying how when Cronenberg goes to like write a film, he'll will, he'll will just let himself write drafts super rough. Like it's a really good way to start, you know, a piece of art like a song or whatever. You just put no pressure on yourself to make it perfect the first time. So, and he'll let his he basically says, you know, um, I'll let my mind wander and just like do the most disgusting shit, and then he'll dial it back <laughs> a little bit for for the real film. Um. So so there's a there's a quote because he was a big fan of um. Vladimir Nabokov and um there's he spoke about how Nabokov like never wanted people to see his first drafts uh because to do so Mm. would be like passing around a sample of one's sputum I guess that means (laughs) sperm um sputum yeah but anyway Mm. um Cronenberg essentially said to the the author of the article um I don't reveal any of this stuff about my drafts. But then the author's, like, basically, like, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, so, in the first draft of Videodrome, Max Wren combats his hallucination by chopping his flesh gun off at the wrist. And from the stump, oh. there grows a fleshy potato masher-style hand grenade, which explodes. And that kind of basically happens in the film with the dynamite that um, mm. uh, Haran... Was this Haran or something? Um Who's the lab technician guy? Um,
1: oh yeah, I can't remember his name. Anyway, he uh, put he yeah.
0: like because you know he puts the tape in and then pulls out, and his wrist is his hands like turn into dynamite. Like I love mm. how um, I love I love those sorts of weird things that Cronenberg does with the kind of it's just like the the stomach is like the portal, and then mm. but um, where I'm going with this? So there's a couple more. Um, I mean, it happens at the end when he shoots um, Barry mm. convex and he's like convulsing and like all his kind yeah, of guts are coming out of his face and stuff. That's,
1: that's brutal. Yeah.
0: Um, originally, like that, that was like- to happen to five other characters, and uh, Cronenberg said, my early drafts tend to get extreme in all kinds of ways, sexually, violently, and just in terms of weirdness, but I have to balance this weirdness against what an audience will accept as reality, even in the sound mix, when we're talking about what sort of sound effects we want for the hand moving around inside the stomach slit. For example, we could get really weird and use really loud, slurpy, gurgly effects. But I'm playing it realistically. That is to say, I'm giving it the sound it would really have, which is not much. I'm presenting something that is outrageous <laughs> and impossible, but I'm trying to convey it realistically.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think I think um... <laughs> that's a funny thing to say as well, right? Like, uh, uh, yeah, I placed this. Um... Giant, uh, vaginal opening, <laughs> but it sounds real, stomach, but I'm trying to portray it really yeah. realistically. Uh, I like that though. I think that's funny. Like I, I think he, he sounds like a pretty funny
0: guy. Yeah. Um, and he's yeah, just I obsessed think... with things like melting and stuff, like the morphine, mm-hmm. like there's a, you know, w- one of our um, Max's hallucinations where the like TV cabinet and everything is breathing. And like, I love how, you know, someone will whip out a tape and it looks like a normal tape. And then it's just suddenly like this plasticine, like mm. sort of biological being and it's like breathing and he just loves to do things like everything just kind of melts and goes all fucked up.
1: Yeah. It's it's amazing. Like it's, um, it's one of the things that I miss about this sort of era, special effects. Like now with CGI, it doesn't make me feel any type of way. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have any material, um, revulsion. Yeah, this particular CGI
0: it's, yeah, it it captures that so well, we're like, oh, like it just, I I think it's similar in like Brain Dead and Brazil. Mm. Mm.
1: And um, I keep going back to the thing but whenever the thing comes out of people's bodies or it's half-cloned somebody, you know, this sort of horrible like, it looks like spaghetti and (laughs) tubes that like have been found it could be anywhere but like, it looks real as well, it's something disgusting. And I think there's something disgusting about looking inside a human body and seeing um, machine bits. Like, it looks like a machine. Like, oh, that's supposed to plug in there, and that does that. And you see on the outside, it's horrible. Like it's, just, it's um, you know, like and I think that's that's another thing about um, the wounds, like the one he has on his stomach or like vaginal openings is this sort of like access to internal body parts, you know, that, that, are, that are to be um, things to go in you yeah. know like and it's, it's it is like it's it's invasive and yeah it's i, I you guess feel, it's, you feel you yeah. feel you can
0: understand it from an evolutionary psychological point of view like we're not meant to see those things and if we are seeing those things then something's gone horribly wrong you know it's it's so closely yeah, linked yeah. to death that obviously it it makes it makes evolutionary sense that we're repulsed by that
1: but even and it, well, I mean, it would be interesting then to think about things like um, televised live surgeries that they were doing for a little bit, like last year, and that, like, because it's fascinating as well, and it's fascinating because it's on the inside and.
0: Uh yeah. They... If I if they are doing a head transplant, I gotta say I might be interested <laughs> in that man because there's talk about it. Yeah, I, that's, ter- <laughs> that's that's insane. Terrifying, hey? Yeah, it, it's it's insane, but very interesting. Just. I mean, even, so even those
1: even those sort of like, and this is this is a simple one, but like looking at the um, the inner workings of a finger and all the muscles and um, uh, like ligature and bones and stuff that all work together to move the hand is horrible to look at. <laughs> <laughs> like, th- there's something um, uh, biologically essentialist about it. Like, you you look at it and you think like how. Um, how pitiable people are like how 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 close to danger are destruction yeah, you yeah
0: yeah yeah I, I noticed that a lot especially when in the realm of you know airplanes and flying machinery like all these things that you know when everything's safe and going fine you can't really draw that picture in your mind but when and when something goes slightly wrong and then or, or for example like we we're talking about before with you know, people in space without a spacesuit, and then it's just like, mm. we're just we're just so infinitely fragile compared to, say, a planet."
1: Hmm. Mm. And I guess also a planet doesn't know it's a planet. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um. I don't know. Unless you subscribe subscribe to some form of consciousness that I don't know. I'm not aware of, but I'm sure it's out there. You know, some cosmic consciousness stuff. It doesn't. Yeah, um, sure. It
0: doesn't know it's a planet in our exactly, basic definition. Exactly.
1: I guess that's a problem as well for people is that the knowing that you are alive, you know, that's a, it's a real curse you know, and you, you, you kind of want to die. You want it to be
0: over. It's a hard thing, life.
1: <laughs> but like at the same time, that'd be the worst thing to ever happen to you, you know? Right?
0: Um, yeah. That is, imp- that's actually an important thing because, um, Cronenberg does say he doesn't, he doesn't believe in an afterlife at all. He thinks that because, um, mind and body are so inherently connected that, you know, Mind can't exist without body. So Mm. that's sort of how he dismisses that topic, which is a pretty fair way of putting it. Yeah, I think...
1: Yeah, I I mean... Do I believe that there's, like, some afterlife? No, I don't think that's the case at all. But um, that that sort of question is being... The direction of that question or perspective of that question is being changed a little bit with things like digital graveyards, where it's like, well... We always remember these people now because we're the ones that have to like afterlife for them is in us, you know. So, like, now there's this, a question around the um, digital theology, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but well, yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think that's sorry. true. Like, I think there was like um, in like pre modern theology for a while, there was a couple of like treaties on the afterlife and stuff like that, and they're about. If you met somebody in the afterlife, they wouldn't know who you are. Like they might look the same, but like um, once you're sort of like subsumed or assumed into um, consumed into God or whoever it is, you're just a thing. You just experience like infinite bliss. You know, you don't. You, you're not a person. You would never know. Like it's just a a ball of stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's like even if it it doesn't, you know, exist, it kind of is bliss to not exist. I mean, it's not not bliss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well,
1: you wouldn't be existing, like, that's the thing, like, you would just, you wouldn't be you, you'd be part of, you know, a hive mind or a unified being or something and that would be the ultimate thing, right? Like, the best thing you could ever think of is to be able to say to someone exactly what you mean without any problems or, con- like, you know, like, you, yeah. you'd be fully attached to people. And yeah, it's quite nice. Uh, whether or not it's true, I wouldn't stop anyone from believing in it. <laughs>
0: Before we fully like realign with the plot of the film, one other thing oh, yeah. I would no 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 like it was you know everything because it's such a symbolic film that you could kind of take the philosophy talk in a lot of different directions and somewhat endless directions I guess. But um, what? How do you feel about being like an organ donor? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I think it's good. Like, I I I am an organ donor. I mean, yeah,
0: I only ask because, like, I in Australia, I had like an organ donor card thing in my wallet. Mm. Yeah, I think you sign up on a census or something. But then, the question yeah, was I'm only sure you... reposed to me recently because I was filling out like a like a driver's license transfer to get a UK license. Um, yeah. And there's an organ donor question on it. And this time, I was kind of like, is that you know, do I still share the same view? Am I still comfortable mm. with that? And I was kind of had to think for a second. It's just like. Because, I don't know, that when you think about it, it's like, but I might need them. It's like, I probably well, won't, I guess... but I'm not 100% sure that I won't need them. You know what I mean? Like, do I really want to yeah. be
1: dismembered? I guess um, the other thing that I think is funny and the thing that I think, I wonder, and this might have just been an unconscious process for you, think what you want, but I wonder if it's because you thought, I'm going to crash. That's why they're doing this, in case I crash. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they want to know on your driver driver's license application because if you crash, that's when they'll be able to like um, take your organs if there's any left or if they're in working condition or whatever.
0: I, th- I think I was thinking about it more from, like, I think it's more like an ego thing where it's just like your ego wants your physical body preserved. So it's like, I want to look good like as a cadaver, like even though, you know, they don't mutilate <laughs> you, to, like they, you know, they patch you up, I'm pretty sure. Although, actually, I think they can take skin and stuff. I don't know, man. But, like, I think it's an ego thing where it's, like, you know, the ego is so tied to survival that it will even Mm. accept that form of survival. Like, it's, like, okay, Mm. fine, fine, you know, kill the mind and the consciousness, but I'm keeping the body as it is, you know. It's the (laughs) ego just being, like, you will not take the body, like, that's the last thing. Like, that is me, you know. It's like hedging its bets. You, it's think. just like it's you know it's just like well maybe there is no afterlife but like I'm still going to keep this inanimate object body.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean um yeah like, like I said I think that reveals more about you. Like uh you obviously have some real connection to the your physicality, you know you're a, you're a runner and you like to exercise no, well, and stuff. I'm not saying
0: course. that that was my i'm just saying like the part of me that even raises that question i think is mm. you know it's the ego like in dialogue with the normal mind saying like you know it's the ego raising the question the kind of the fully rational mind is just like when you're dead you're dead you're not going to let you're not going to need it but the point yeah. is you don't really 100 percent know for sure and you're making a a decision based on something where you're not 100 percent sure you know
1: yeah, that's true. I mean, um, as far as I'm concerned, like if I needed something, I would hope there would be someone out there who was a match and could transplant an organ. And you know, if the, a time ever came that I died and um, there was organs that people needed and they could be used, I think uh, I'm more than happy for that to happen. Like, I think, I think, I think the question of like organ transplant itself is quite interesting. Like, it's weird. Like, is that part of your body? Do you think of it as your own or do you think of it as someone else's? Is your body all your... Yeah. I, some interesting questions there. But, yeah, I'm, I'm down with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like, say, you know, head transplant, for example. It's like, <laughs> you die head transplant. And what someone so needs you keep your off. Like... Yeah, well, I, <laughs> obviously, the head is the person, like you know so and so they might need a whole entire body
1: Hmm. but then do you think that like this being the first time if it does if it is performed successfully do you think that that would change the personality of whoever's mind was in there? For like you know how people have traumatic brain injuries and they're totally different people their personality changes i wonder if that's the same for, like, a, a mind-body switch, you I know, think like, ideally, there
0: could be some I think if the surgery went in the ideal way, then they're essentially the same person because the brain is the same and, you know, the blood type is the same. Like, obviously, there, there, it would be extreme rehabilitation or they might be, like, a paraplegic. Um, but I think, ideally, you know, they, gain, they regain full function of the body um, over, like, you know several years of rehabilitation and whatnot um mm-hmm. and so there's, there's they would a, have all their memories yeah. everything would be basically the same and they're just it's just a different body from but the neck down there's
1: such a such a such a relationship to your body like because because your body you know is kind of a mess but like the way that you cohere it as an ideal form is that it's like oh you know it's all working together and um, it all works fine and there's a direct correlation between, I think, right-hand move and it does um, and the way I look at... And, but then you have problems where, like, you look at yourself in the mirror. You know, issues like body dysmorphia or something where someone looks in the mirror and they think they look totally different than they look physically and then someone else who, you know, loves them says, oh, you don't even look like that. You look like this other thing over here. So, like, there is, like, a, the the um, the way that you sort of... Um, the imaginary relationship you have with your body might be totally different. If you were to have a new body, right? Cause you could, your skin tone might be different or you might have scars or, you know, you might have, um, you know, do your, your relation to like your sexual organs might be different as well. Like, you know, it could it, allow you know, that think, person yeah.
0: to see it more clearly for the first time. Cause they would be looking at it thinking, yeah, yeah, well, that's p- not my body. So they'll just see, you know, the real image.
1: Mm, yeah, which, you know, might be even more confronting, certainly, than the um, sort of imaginary um, uh, constellation or complex we come
0: up with as yeah, children. it's so funny. It's like they've got to do this head transplant and the donor is like opposite skin color and they're like, oh, can we still do it? Like, you know, it's not going to, like, what if the guy's super racist yeah. and he's like, I don't want that body. <laughs> Fine, like, <Yeah>. die then. <laughs> yeah. That would that would um that would raise some questions. Just, I think um I love how the most like absurd ethical questions arise with technological progress like this. You know, saying we like self driving hmm. cars and stuff like that. Like it just gets more and more interesting. Yeah, well I think um It forces us to confront like prejudice prejudices and really like break things down to you know, just what's like it you know the logic of racism. Like, the, it's mm. a good break for it where it's like, do you want a body or do you want to die? And the person's like, mm. die. Well, then it, you know, you're not very logical.
1: That's true, but it, those things aren't necessarily too logical. It's like um, a Jehovah's Witness might get in a car accident and won't accept a blood transfusion because of, you know, their uh, relig- religious observations and, yeah, and you got to give it to them because that's their decision.
0: Yeah, you can give it um... to them, but I can still say they're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah 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 but like you know the, the way you sort of construe your world is heavily based on fiction um, so you know like if they did if the doctor did go ahead against the patient's desire or wishes or whatever um, what would happen? would they commit suicide? Would they be kicked out of their church would they how would they feel about the body you know like so there is there is questions. I think the project of ethics in general is has never been completed. Like, I don't think it goes, like, 10-year blocks. Like, we always are catching up constantly. Yeah, but,
0: yeah, but I, do, I do think, like, certain technological things like that, they kind of, you know, they, they enter people's worlds whose worlds they, they otherwise wouldn't. Like, you know, Mormons, uh, not Mormons, sorry. Um, who are the anti-technology people? Um The Amish. The Amish um certain things like that where they're like you know they're cert- like they'll they'll break the rules in certain cases and then and, the, and then it'll kind of force them to be like oh well, is this rule you know like something to, maybe mm. they might need a mobile phone for some something like they'll see the kind of ultimate benefit and be like okay well i guess we can have a mobile phone like just in case we need to call an ambulance or something and then and then they're yeah. kind of like well why the fuck do we have this rule in the first place and then they'll just you know they'll just they'll make it a bit more reasonable rather than having like, you know, an ancient rule in a text that was written without consideration for these kind of obscure cases that arise that technology, technology sort of just like shoves in your face. Same with like the self-driving cars example, you know, mm-hmm. before we didn't have to consider who, who should we kill and now we literally have to consider that question.
1: Hmm. I mean, I think um, one of the really fascinating ones for me in terms of, like, biopolitics, bioethics or whatever is um, the uh, sort of international um, surrogacy thing. So, like, you know, someone in um, Britain can pay for a woman in Thailand to uh, be a surrogate... um, have a surrogate pregnancy essentially, and then they'll go over to Thailand at the end and pick it up or whatever. And it's it's always like um, it's always like an international, a geopolitical power thing as well, because obviously they're doing it in a place that's cheaper. Uh, but that's a that's a te- that's a thing that I don't think people creating the surrogacy technology saw coming, right? And now that's a big thing in like um, uh, bioethics. In like, can you? This is obviously exploitative. Um, questions around labor and like women's bodies and stuff, so yeah, it's, it's fascinating for sure. Uh, you see the same stuff with like uh, self-driving cars, right, because like, you know, it does does uh, like an issue with photography when it first became a really big thing. Uh, people with dark skin couldn't, it didn't show up very well.
0: Oh, like, like and, facial recognition?
1: Uh, yeah, well just like in, um, in like just like flash photography.
0: Oh, okay, right, right.
1: People with very light skin, the pictures would be a lot clearer. Right, just the nature of...
0: Yeah, the nature of how cameras work, yeah.
1: Yeah, or the... Like, you know, it's
0: it's harder to capture um, the texture, like, on a dark surface compared to a light surface. Yeah. It's just the nature of light,
1: yeah. Sort of, yeah, is the relationship we have to light and darkness and... Also, you know whatever chemical comp- compounds they use to produce the pictures, but um, as the technology continues, that's those that sort of stuff isn't remedied, and you start seeing like, well, is the are these things like technologically produced for a particular type of person? Do they take better pictures of like, you know, white lighter-skinned people for a reason? Is there a relationship between that? So, and then but that's not true anymore,
0: right? Like it's like, I mean. Um, it depends i don't know i i I mean i i don't think i don't think like the (laughs) i don't think there's anyone working to make cameras like to make the improvements in dynamic range only based around if anything like they're working to make it not not to do with like human skin color but just because people want better images in dark, like poorly lit environments. So if anything, like pictures of people with dark skin would be improving.
1: Yeah, but what I'm sort of, this is a really long, slow way to lead up to it, but like something with driving, self-driving cars that would use um, some form of photographic imaging to get from places, say the technology through, you know, whoever runs that particular photography company. They don't, they don't care about this part of technology. And then you see the instance of people being hit with darker skin and that becomes a real big issue because then it's like the cars of through an instance of like, I don't know, technological belligerence. It becomes like racist cars.
0: Yeah. Okay. I get that. So it's just like yes. the car, you know, it sees, it sees a white person, but it doesn't see a black person because it's like a, you know, it's just, they can't make out that it's a person because the area yeah. is dark or something
1: yeah and and because of like uh you know whatever it might be in the in the production company or the like chemical company they just haven't had to care about that because whatever they're in their boardroom no one's caring about that and so then the problem gets really bad once it becomes a, a actual life or death thing
0: well and so, an, ex- yeah. an example of that is i think it was amazon um They said they didn't say they were giving up, but they said they were stopping some part of their facial recognition technology that they were developing because it was giving um, really badly biased results. So, like, they were Mm. working with police or something like that. And, um,
1: What's it would, it would, problem? like, it would, it would basically,
0: <laughs> like, because it wasn't that good at distinguishing darker skin faces, you know, the wrong black person would get the blame for something because it would be like, oh, this is a match when it wasn't a match. So, like, it would be, mm. it would be fine at distinguishing white people, so there wouldn't be, um, mis confusion, um, yeah, or like, um, the wrong person charged, mistaken sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, mistaken identity, um, so yeah, I think well, they, I mean, they like, did with like, banning it.
1: it comes I think if it comes to the police, I don't think they were too careful about double-checking anyway, so... Um,
0: <laughs> so they were like, Amazon, design it like this. Like, design it yeah, with this oh, no, no, no. I just think that
1: they were like, <laughs> oh, you know, there does seem to be instances of mistaken identity, but, uh, oh, this must just be a little problem. And then it turns out, you know, across the, the, the nation, it turns out that there's tons and tons of people incarcerated over this, like, fake um, technological impression or whatever. And I mean, like, Amazon is a fascinating one, actually. And I think, actually, America, some American police stations did have some sort of, like, data-collating software that did lead to lots of people being incarcerated, uh, wrongly incarcerated, because the cops were just like, no, the computer does it. You know, (laughs) essentially, cops were, like, the servants of the computer. They didn't have to, like, think about it. And obviously, like, that's sort of a sweet deal for a lot of cops because they're just like, yeah, fuck it. I just get to shoot the gun, and the computer tells me (laughs) when and where. Yeah. Um... But, yeah, there, there was an Amazon thing, like um, the machines kept hurting people. like there was like big machines moving around, like shelf pickers and stuff. And so I don't think that's ever happened, but they produced like a cage that would go around the workers. so instead <laughs> of making the the machines safer, they just put put workers in jail cells, like singular jail cells. and the, that's just kind of funny. crazy, like I think I think what they ended up doing was creating like their worker vests had a barcode on it that said like, You know, it told the machine that that wasn't something that could be grabbed. But,
0: but, shit.
1: yeah, that's just another instance of like, oh, no, it's harder to fix the machine. We might as well just like make it even worse for the worker.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, here's a quote from, um, so, Brian Oblivion explains, The television screen is the retina of the mind's eye. Therefore, the television screen is part of the physical structure of the brain. Therefore, whatever appears on the television... I mean, he's hes kind of already... He blurs it at the start saying, it is the retina of the mind's eye. I mean, that's not true. He's speaking, you know, symbolically. But but then he kind of tries to go back into the physical and say, therefore, the television screen is part of the physical structure of the brain. Therefore, whatever appears on the television screen emerges as raw experience, a raw experience for those who watch it. Therefore, television is reality. And reality is less than television.
1: I like it. It's cool. It's a very compelling argument, I think. And I think, I think, um, you know, I think, I'm, I think there's a little bit of a misunderstanding because I don't think people think TV is reality. I think they watch it because it's not reality. Um, I think they are sucked in, but I don't think they're like consider it raw experience. But um, I like this sort of period of theorizing media, like how does it affect us, can we um, can we make sense of it through um, these theorizations that sort of take the mind as a substance that can be molded, is there plasticity, is there like, because I, I, I don't think, you know, analytical analytic philosophy doesn't really do too much with this sort of stuff, like they're just kind of more interested in like, uh, what is the color, and I guess that's important, but who cares as well. <laughs> Yeah, um,
0: well, what year was um, medium is the message? Was that 60s?
1: Yeah, 60s or 50s or something.
0: I get, like, and that was pretty revolutionary for the time, was it? I I don't know if yeah, of Yeah, yeah that was, a, that was a
1: big, big step in um, media theory for sure.
0: What other stepping stones kind of make the same point on the way from there to Videodrome,
1: um, if any? I don't know, Baudrillard but he probably did it like the 60s and 70s. No, maybe even like the 70s and 80s, I'm not so sure. Right. Um. I'm not too sure. I'm not, I'm, I don't know a lot about media theory. Yeah. But um,
0: Yeah, there isn't a nice handy Wikipedia page for this like there was for like simulation in art.
1: There um, should be, there should be. Um,
0: what would there's a lot be? of interesting yeah. I guess, journals yeah. that sort of Sorry,
1: I think only really now are we starting to fully theorize it. There's a lot of interesting journals that um, deal with uh, concepts in new media and like how that relates to us. A lot of it has to do with like politics, um, which you could you can see here as well, right? Because like, you know, what's the point? Of, in the movie, it's kind of just like, what's the point of trying to tell people something when you can just like force them into like warping their brain and making them see things that you want to see?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, and oh, I guess it could easily be argued that that is actually the more effective way to convince someone, yeah. some, like by doing it in what seems like the soft, you know, by letting people think they want to be doing what they're doing, for example. I think what, like, I think what, soft
1: is the right word, like what yeah. you were about to say before, soft. Like, I think um, it's like a cold, cold way of doing it, right? Like, it sort of creeps into you uh, yeah. not
0: all at once, sort of. I would say the best example of that at the moment is is YouTube. I always Mm. like make this joke in my head where it's like the people at Google were like, we're not going to need to pay people to make ads or watch ads because like the videos are the ads themselves. It's Mm. like you will enjoy watching it and you will think that you want what the video is saying you want because it, it, you know, they Mm. have, they have the ads on the videos, but then a lot of the time the video is in itself an ad, especially in like for me, like guitar world, like where it's, you know guitar musical equipment or whatever mm-hmm. you open up a video because yeah, you're sure. like oh i think i you know i'm watching this video because i want to know how this thing sounds when in reality it's just like i'm watching this video because part of me is trying to convince myself that i want this thing and then the video is sort of reinforcing that by saying like by it's like this is a review but then it's like this is awesome this thing is awesome like it'll do mm. and there's a it's in um uh, it's it's in I think the Simpsons or Family Guy where um they go to like Guitar Center and um, it might be even it might be Rick and Morty actually where they go to like Guitar Center and they're like oh you're gonna need this and this and this and like and then you'll be a rock star <laughs> and like they really just like jam on that whole thing it's like um, yeah just buy this stuff and then Everything will be great. It's true. Yeah. 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 Get the right
1: thing and you'll be fixed. Well it's the same with um I think a really big proponent of that right now is like sportswear. Like buy the right running pants, buy the right running t shirt, the right kicks, um, and you'll be sick at it. Like it's not it's not that you're like unfit is that like you don't have the right kicks yeah yeah
0: oh man that's exactly it it's like it's not that you didn't practice your instrument you just don't have the right equipment to sound good mm.
1: yeah it's yeah it's not your fault there's a lot of um, there's a lot of advertising seems to do that a lot right now and maybe the i think back in the day advertising was a lot more just like oh this thing is this thing
0: yeah do you would you would you like yeah it, it does these <laughs> things it does it, it you're probably Mm. going to want it if, if you are one of these people. But now, Mm. now it's the soft way where it's like, you know, the video, they'll try to, it's, they try to be all meta and they'll like, you know, on fundamentally it's an advertisement, but they'll try to be like, well, you could buy this product or you could buy this product. Like you might as well buy those. Don't buy this. Like you don't want this. And it's just like,
1: yeah,
0: and you're watching it in your as leisure as a leisure activity and you know the the the, you know the man behind the screen at google is like ha ha ha," like they're they're paying (laughs) to watch the ads now (laughs) yeah yeah.
1: yeah i mean like not to go back like not to sound like a broken record or whatever but like um uh you know if you don't have to if you if you're not buying anything it's you that's the product you know, like if something's free, it's you that's like they're getting, like they're selling you somehow. Like they sell your data or whatever it is. Yeah, like you, you, you're not. You know, you're there. You're not. You're not. You've been through a process of events. You've sort of been funneled into this direction, and through that, you know, they can understand, like, well, you know, this person from this age to this age, and this interest likes this. We can produce this, but oh, there's not that many people. We can do this. It's a very. um very terrible way, I think, to uh, produce things. Yeah. Because then you're you're sort of like you, you're getting the problems that we have now, which is that like people are hired for like a small amount of time for like doing this one thing. Oh, you can't get promoted. You can't get demoted. You're sort of just like left cut off when you when you are useless.
0: Yeah. Well, Uber won that case recently, I think, and yeah, it cost them fuck crop all. Twenty-two or and it, Yeah, or they like paid that. like maybe. I can't remember. The, I don't. I can't remember if it was a million or billion. So I'm going to get it completely wrong. But it was two something. It, either way, it was a very small amount to pay for what they otherwise would have had to pay if they had to employ all of those people, mm. um, not as contractors, but uh, as subcontractors. To, yeah, whatever, subcontractors. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is, I think, yeah, it's it's bad. I mean, it, yeah, the, it's a problem with like the whatever system is in place where they make those decisions. They they to they just look at the existing like guidelines and laws and say, well, they are subcontractors, but the problem is like you have to create new like it's a new industry. There needs to be new laws around it. Like you can't just say, well, you can't compare Uber to similar types of businesses of the past and be like, well, they were contractors in that scenario. Like there's I think there's nothing wrong with making a specific case law where you just say, well, in the case of Uber, the, you know, the worst thing is if they're subcontracted because of, you know, so many reasons. It's like, you, you should you should be able to just make a specific case law, like in the case of, and then if another business comes along, then you analyze it, you know, on its own set of terms. Like, it, you know, I can't predict every type of business that will come about, but you, it's, it's obvious that for the specific case of Uber, it's pretty bad that they're employed as subcontractors.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think um, I think Uber spent a lot of money on like getting people who were using Uber at the time. Like they would have like ads pop up on their phone. that would say like, "Oh, you should vote yes on Prop 22 because um, it ensures that all our drivers get the flexibility they really desire." Yeah, you know? yeah, they like, sell.
0: Yeah, the, yeah. Like, I, it cringes uh, me
1: You don't, out. You don't want. You don't want your Uber driver to like. Should be stuck with this job. I don't know. You know, like you want the like flexibility is this very
0: um. They sell that seductive, band-aid seductive scenario because they're like, oh, this means that um, you know, the person can work their main job and then just work Uber on the side a little bit. And it's like, well the, the root of that problem is that they don't make enough money on minimum wage yeah. in their forty hour job so that they have to hmm. subsidize that with this second contracting job. <laughs> yeah,
1: and exactly. That, you know, yeah, that think,
0: ty- um, that type of problem is being made worse by companies like Uber.
1: Yeah, and I think they did something with the with Prop Twenty Two that said like it can only be overruled by like a four-fifths decision in the Senate or in the California um Senate or whatever it is. So, and essentially that could never be possible, right? Because you would never
0: be able to get an almost unanimous decision, <laughs> especially in America. Um, it's like who have they made? Who have they passed that decision for? Do you know what I mean? Like who who had the say on that? Uber, it's just Uber. like it's, it's just i don't know like am i missing something in the argument that makes it less obvious yeah, the what the right decision is? is that
1: there is there are some arsehole capitalists at the top that are just like we can we can fool people into believing even though they know this isn't the case that
0: um i think no I, th- I don't think they know that i think that they think that what they did was the best for like society as a whole that nah. like that's what they no think way. Nah.
1: <laughs> we always disagree agree. on this
0: exact point <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> like where Dude. you think you think that um you know we always disagree on the consciousness of people making bad decisions do you know what i mean it, i
1: 100 <laughs> like they're the people who own uber the shareholders, the investors, they were just like, "How can we possibly make an impoverished Are those precarious- people? Yeah,
0: those people." But I am yeah. talking more about like the senators, like whoever votes on certain things. I think they
1: would get money for it. They would have been lobbied for it for sure. Like the only like California senators, all they love to do is get paid like shit for. They like, just making it. Just- it's just like the cops with the um, with the ID machine. Like if they, if someone tells them you can get a good thing if you just say this, and they're just like, well, you've made the decision for me. Now I don't have to think. I don't have to be the thing that people elected me to be. I can just like sit around and fucking get rich for like selling people's souls to a company. Fair. And that's my. That's my. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Fuck <laughs> <laughs>
0: I feel like I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. Um more play the devil's advocate in like when we approach this topic in future episodes You know, I'll just, I'll be like, I'll, you know, I'll bring up some political social elite type of group and I'll be like, and I'll say something along the lines of, they're not aware of what they do, man. And you'll be like, they're fucking aware. Like, <laughs> they do it all on purpose. Like lizard people. motherfucker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they certainly do. Like, uh, they don't, they love it. And like, they know, they know that they have, um, They've got the, like, sort of political sphere of society hamstrung because they can just be like, oh, you don't like that? We can just take this business elsewhere and then, like, what the fuck are you going to do? Yeah, you can't, fix it. you can't fix the mess that we got you into, so you might as well stick tight with us or else if people are going to realize just how fucking stupid you are you're going to be out and you wouldn't like that.
0: But I guess I will argue that the problem isn't those people and their individual decisions, but the system itself that, like, allows them or... That motivates them to play a hand in that way. Yeah, you know, the the, would, the financial that... incentive shouldn't lie on them making the decisions in that way. It should, you know, it should be the opposite.
1: Yeah, I I I think yeah, but I think that like the the totally swallowed debate that um, you know competition is a natural, um, organically occurring thing, and it's like a it's a it's a thing that people do. Uh, and so, like, free markets are right, and like, this is a natural way for things to happen, and it's just bullshit. It's not true. Um, and I think that they, like, whether or not they know it, I think they do know it. Like, I think that they're just super keen, and they, and especially in places like America, anywhere that, like, sort of considers itself like a meritocracy, they just imagine that poor people fucking suck because they didn't do good enough, and so they're actually just not people, and they could just abuse them and they have no responsibility to give back to the people who put them in those positions of power because, well, fuck them. They can't do anything now.
0: Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think the best support also for what you're saying is like even if someone isn't fully aware of them doing something that's bad, I think they are re- responsible for being ignorant, I guess you could say. Mm. So, yeah. you know, like well, yeah. say you're not aware that you're doing something bad, it's still your fault for not finding out.
1: Yeah, I, I most definitely like. I think if it comes to just like regular people, like you, there's something to be said about being eager about some stuff. That's totally fine. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame anyone for making stupid decisions or not knowing anything. That's okay. But if you're a politician or a CEO, you're not an idiot. You know exactly what you're doing, mm. right? and you should be held to higher regard and a higher account. Like there should be, like. You, it, it even shocks me that, like, you get the honorific honorable in front of your name in the parliament, like, just f- f- fucking, I don't know, sliming your way up, just just failing upwards the whole way. <laughs>
0: Um, I want to, <laughs> yeah. I'll give credit to this essay. So the website is deepfocusreview.com and the essay mm. by Brian Egert from 2011. So he's just written a really good essay basically on Videodrome. I haven't read the whole thing, but um, right. that's yeah, where I quoted the thing before from Oblivion about Mind's Eye. Uh, I mean, that was mm. him qu- um, quoting the film, but um, in this essay. So he says that, Although the viewer never sees Max fully transformed into his next phase of being, we watch. We catch glimpses of bio-organic changes, melting flesh that bends to technology's influence. The implementation of technology makes the body irrelevant and in some ways abnormal on its own. Only through the process of absorbing television does it become normalized, closer to the new flesh of the post-absorption standard, the filter through which any individual must pass to accumulate the information necessary to standardize oneself.
1: I like that. That's interesting. I think I think the the one sort of twist or tweak that I would put in there is that, like, human bodies are gross. TV shows <laughs> us that. It's not that the TV transforms people. It's that people are, like, the human body, you relate to it by looking at reflections of yourself. You look at other people, you look at things on TV, in movies, in painting, you know? Like, so... I think then, like representations of people would change the way that you look at yourself. So, yeah, yeah. I think I think the human body is pretty cursed.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty cool. I don't know. I think you made the decision to watch Videodrome after watching They Live. I don't know mm. if you it was a conscious decision in because like they both share the kind of attack on media culture, like the attack mm. on um, mediums that subtly brainwash. Or yeah, just spread ideology. Sure. Yeah. And um, so it's interesting how, you know, both films, they kind of have a very similar core message, just done in a completely different way. Yeah. And well, they live was a few years after this, right?
1: Uh, good question. I'm not sure. I
0: think it was like. Well, they, they also or appeal
1: to two totally different sorts of people, right? Because like, in They Live, that's like the working class being thrust out. Um, just to the margins of. Society. Woods' character, sort of like a upper middle class sort of dude, you know, he's, he's doing okay. He's kind of like flagrant, doesn't really give a fuck. Yeah, you know, like so, he's he's sort of got a little bit more riding on media doing its thing. Uh, you know what I mean? But like but I think it's interesting if you put the two together to show that they both still transform people, they're still doing the same thing. It doesn't matter like if you believed, you know, like you're part of a ruling class that won't get affected, you do also change. You know, you you become you get the new flesh, you know, you become something half half between a person and a machine, you know, or like you know, you ally with the aliens and they live. You've effectively sold out the human race or whatever.
0: Yeah. And yeah, and they both kind of a kind of link to ideology and terrorism like where you know it'll have some extreme you know i am the new flesh and it like it's like a sloganized sort of extreme mm. ideology where it's just like i've uh, you know i've gained <laughs> this i've gained this from the tv and like this is me now
1: hmm. well i guess you've got to be triumphant in the face of that sort of stuff like <laughs> who who better than someone who runs a cable news channel or like a news um broadcaster to be championing you know the new flash
0: yeah well, yeah his transformation is is interesting because obviously towards the start he's like you know I just want to I w- I want to show people you know the new thing like and, and you know we can see him as you know he's he's not we don't see him as immoral because he thinks that the footage is acted, you know, up until that point, and so mm. he just kind of he, his view is like, "What's the problem?" You know, just show people some some raw shit, like that's what people want to see, and then his transformation is basically like, "Oh, what I'm doing is effectively damaging people, or, or de- you know, mm. it's it's quite is quite harmful to society."
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, just like in They Live, uh, Max is. He is, he's getting fed information. He thinks that he is like coming up with this crazy new stuff but in actuality it turns out he's just been running on tracks the whole time. Someone else has been giving him this information. Someone's been sort of plotting his decisions. He doesn't know it, but he, he only too late does he realize like, oh, this guy, he knew that this was a thing and he knew um, that it would be better if I thought that we stumbled upon something and where does it go? Instead of like just turning, it turns out that it was just like a mechanism to start changing people's perspective or literally changing how they see the world.
0: Yeah, and there's, I think it's from this essay, they were sort of saying the viewer, you can't actually be sure um, for how much of the movie he's hallucinating because some parts like it'll, you know, he'll wake up in the bed and it's like, oh, he was definitely hallucinating there. But there's sort of um, the ideas posed that the only real part with Nikki is when they're on the um, talk show, TV TV show. And then all parts after that are hallucinated because Bianca tells him, uh, you know, she was already dead and, you know, they just used her to seduce him. Um and I, I then, really like that as well. And the end of this essay he finishes with to claim one has total understanding of every shifting reality contained within video drone would be misleading, even impossible. Some characters appear only on television screens while others watch television only to become drones. Who among them is real? Just keeping track of reality in the film remains a challenge as the story progresses with Cronenberg himself distorting the lines between hallucination and narrative to evoke messages that can oftentimes feel mixed. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, I, I think um, this, is again, like a sort of classic move for me is to relate it to another film. Have you ever seen Perfect Blue? don't think so. That's sort of, sort of similar in that, like, uh, you know, a woman goes from being a pop star to an actress and... Um, it sort of it shows her being filmed and then it, show, it cuts and it's like oh that actually wasn't being filmed, she was just it, she sort of goes through personality disorder and stuff as well, it's quite interesting but like it's filmed in the same way like you can never tell if like is she dreaming or is this part of the TV show she's just acting in or is this her just living is this happening Like I think that's fascinating as well right because like I think sort of seized on an interesting point which is like dreams are very much like TV and movies mm. Like, you know, people might say that like, oh, you know, I know exactly what my dreams mean, but no, you fucking don't like (laughs) like the director. They might have like
0: slitherings of messages like, oh, you really value this person or thing. But yeah, a lot of the time dreams are just chaotic.
1: And even then, you know, it could be the opposite or like something else that that means. You might think like, oh mm. yeah, this is what this says, but really, it could be like totally different. So
0: it's funny you say that. I had a very Cronenbergian dream just a couple of <laughs> nights ago. Before I hadn't seen the movie, um, and uh, it was, <laughs> it wasn't super gory, but it like it involved the human body and like certain distortions, and and it wasn't sexual or anything like that, but it was, it was grotesque um (laughs) which is kind of funny just like leading up to this that 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 happened yeah
1: Mm, yeah yeah and i you know like it's the same thing as video drum, right like you see stuff that you don't know if you want to see um you don't really know it sort of doesn't really make sense like why am i here or why am i seeing this or who are these people what is this situation um or setting
0: and well the effect is real for example you know I've had that dream. I I tell you now. Okay, I had this dream about this, but the dream experience still has an effect on my reality. In that, like mm. you know, through the memory of it, I tell you about it. But it also affects you know my future perception of reality. Um, mm. Yeah, that that you know that becomes absorbed into my memory and and my day to day experience. I I might always you know I always remember that as a dream. But it's you still have the you know you still know it's dream whatever it's still distinguished. But at the same time, this thing from the dream world has seeped into the real world hmm. through that. But meme. I guess
1: the the thing the thing with dreams that is distinct from um, the television or cinema screen is that oftentimes dreams are like pretty unintelligible. What is it telling you? Why is it telling you? Who knows? But with movies and TV, they have like quite a like,
0: they yeah. They usually, them. have you a goal. Yeah. You're you're
1: you're you're able to make sense of it, whether or not it's the right thing, or you know, you can interpret things in many different ways. You, you can break it down. There is a structure to it, and that's sort of the that's sort of the. I think that's one of the bigger issues here in Videodrome is like, it's not you who's who's decoding this thing in the screen it's the screen sort of sort of just pushing you a little bit this way instead of like the way you thought you were going oh, i actually know you're this way and you don't even know like it's just a little uh, yeah the, yeah little turn.
0: that i like that point it's like the conception of tv i guess because pre-tv you know we, we're used to photography where we think of it as a one-way relationship, um, where same with like, and again, like Newtonian science where we think it's a one-way relationship. We observe the thing and we get the information from the thing. And so, you know, TV and film comes about and, um, in an ideal world, we think of it as like, we watch the thing and we get the thing, but, it's, it's actually more of a give and take. The thing infects mm. us um, with whatever its message is and then that alters the way that we perceive the thing and mm. subsequent pieces of art like film or, or TV or whatever, whatever it is. It's not just yeah, a yeah, like yeah. I'm going to watch this film and then I'll be the exact same person as I was before that and watch the next film. It's like It kind of infects you with an ideology yeah. or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I think, that's, I think that's true. I think um yeah, it's a two-way street. Like it, you're giving and taking. It's giving and taking. Like there are and that that's sort of my problem with um some of the earlier conceptions of media theory which is just like it's just doing stuff to you. So like, no, know people people are giving something to it as well. It's a, it's a give and take.
0: Yeah, well now like so YouTube yeah. for example, you know, you take, but you, people also create their own videos about you know the same thing that they're most interested mm. in. I'm not saying that this is bad because I do it like and I you know mm. I don't really I do it for fun, and I don't think it's like I do I don't think I do it for ideological purposes. Um, not I don't do it for uh, money. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um, but it's just a, that's a that's a funny development or extreme development of that two way relationship where it's like now you absorb you absorb sorry, absorb the program and then create your own program alongside hmm. and in, in harmony with that.
1: So yeah, yeah, That's exactly. the next I level think, of, um, of
0: that relationship.
1: You can sort of see a better, a, an even more clear example maybe is like the effect when you put two mirrors in front of each other and you have that sort of like infinite mirror, um, you have the sort of like reacting to reaction videos. So you have like three <laughs> yeah. pictures in picture thing and you're just like, oh, this... And you're watching it as well. So it's sort of like a fourth layer. So yeah. <laughs> it's fucking nuts. Hey? Um, should we wrap it up? Cause I'm starting. Yeah, man,
0: my, my mouth's getting dry from all this chit chat. <laughs> <laughs> no. So what do you, what do you, what do you think? What, what's, well, the, what's the closing? I mean, I think we did pretty well. It, it's like, you could de- devote a couple of episodes to this. Um, I didn't, oh, for sure, yeah. I didn't love the film. I appreciated it. Mm. I, I don't like James Woods as an actor that much. I just I just <laughs> yeah, don't I he doesn't that. really like do it for me. I don't know, he seems a bit forced at times, but he still it was he was good enough. It, it just didn't blow mm. me away. And the film as a whole, like it does stand on its own. I like that. You know, I appreciate Cronenberg for just doing weird shit like I like that in any director even if it's not my ideal film. Um and I like how it kind of contains good elements of films even though it's before what i'm going to reference but good parts of like brain dead and um requiem for a dream with the kind of tv set and blurring of reality mm. sort of elements and when you have yeah. those shots that like focuses in on a tv set and then it's like well now we're we're in this world um yeah i like or all even those with things.
1: the requiem for a dream thing um where she dreams that she's in the audience and she gets picked you know and then she keeps watching the tv like, yeah, so yeah yeah yeah
0: like... Is, uh, that seems like it took definite inspiration from this and um mm. so very cool of him to put that in also i thought the sound design and soundtrack was pretty good especially compared to mm. some of the ones we watched recently yeah, like had a very 80s <laughs> soundtrack i think they're using like a juno synth a Roland juno it sounded um, a lot so like a little forward on. <laughs> um but yeah i think it was pretty well done the actual scoring itself was like a bit they kind of like when they had the ominous kind of melody i was like man that's that's fine um but nothing nothing super memorable not like brazil where it's the whole fucking movie is based around the song in a way but um yeah overall pretty good um somewhere around the middle middle range of everything we've seen
1: yeah i can see that as well i think um you know excellent Good on Debbie Harry. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> love Debbie Harry. Amazing, amazing woman, amazing person, amazing artist. Uh, happy that she was in this. It's fucking crazy, you know, like, uh, imagine looking at the script and being like, oh, okay, so I'm doing this. I go, All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quite interesting choice um, by whoever was doing the casting and, yeah, like, that 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 made it for me as well. I love, love Debbie, Abby, De- Debbie Harry. So, um, yeah, I don't know, probably, like, top of the middle to me
0: yeah and the plot itself i think is really good like the whole thing how the broadcasts give these people uh, you know how it was because we didn't touch on this i just wanted to you know remind the audience we do we did actually know what the film was about we just prefer to talk about politics <laughs> sometimes <laughs> but the, the whole thing about how um they want to it's like a honeypot for capturing the worst members of society. Like, oh, so people that want to watch this, we're going to give them cancer, and um, mm. you know, we want to we want to euthanize like these, anyone that's into this, and that you know, we there's still examples of that. For example, like, um, Tor the onion router like web browser thing supposedly it was funded by the NSA and stuff like that because they want, you know, they call it like a honeypot because they want to encourage people who have things to hide to use these um, centralized digital services like that and Signal and stuff like that. Really? So, oh, okay. they, you know, so it's easier than just like trying to track everyone using Google Chrome or something like that. Mm. So, yeah, I just, I okay, like that, that aspect that of sense. the yeah, plot I, I and the that's... whole plot. Sorry, um, the whole like, yeah, no, we'll give think... we'll Sorry.
1: Yeah, that's 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 a really good point. I think um, I think uh, it's 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 a very elegant. or well, actually, no, not elegant. The opposite of elegant, really. It's a very like sort of simple-minded attempt at just being like, if we take bad stuff away from people, they will stop being bad. Which is obviously not the reason why people commit crime. I Was like, oh, like you know. There's yeah. nothing, you know, if, there, if there's like if there's a masochist or a, a sadist, there's nothing wrong with their relationship as long as you know they're not killing people, as long as they enter into relationships that the other people are kind of into as well. Right? Yeah, that, 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 that's not inherently bad, you know. Sexuality is always going to always going to have is always going to give trouble to people, so you know that's always going to be a trouble troublesome situation. Yeah. Um. You know, I'll put this film right next to Akira because I think they actually are quite similar. Now that I think about it, okay, um, with the you know body transformations through technology and stuff, you know, they do it a bit differently. But I think ESPN, has uh, yes, fuck, ESP, um, <laughs> yeah, is um, is a, I can see that sort of. You can, if you if you wanted to, maybe a little bit of a reach, sort of transfer that over to something like radio broadcasting, and that might be similar. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'll put sort of the you know that area, the Akira, VideoDrome era, area. I think that's good.
0: Nice. All right. Well, yeah, I would encourage anyone listening to definitely read that essay, Deep Focus Review, is um, the website. Just VideoDrome Deep Focus Review, because um, it does a much better job than we do of analysing the film in depth. <laughs> but no, I think um, it's is cool how closely linked this was to They Live, and I guess just we're getting our bearings a bit more on the whole medium is the message kind of topic. Cause it's just, it's complex and it kind of morphs into so many different offshoots of conversations along that topic with kind of the video game violence topic and YouTube and modern technology, you know, Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a, broken record. but it's still yeah, dealing with it. Everything's so it's connected. happening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Peter. Thanks for hanging. I'll catch you soon, man. Easy peasy. Peace. See ya.